Well, well, well. Good morning, church. Guys, all right? All right. All right. So we are um, we are a week into the new year. It's official. It's the eighth. So one whole week has gone by of 2023. It's awesome. How's the Bible reading plan going? There you go. One of you is doing real well. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, usually uh, when you set that like Bible reading plan and by January 4th, you're like, oh man, I got so much catching up to do. Because, you know, 19 chapters in Genesis is like, it takes like 14 minutes. Uh, and then that's only the Old Testament part. You haven't even done the Psalms and the New Testament yet. So, uh, so it begins. It's a weird time of year, isn't it? This uh, transition into a new year. Uh, I mean, it's weirder these days because the years are so intense and crazy. Uh, but, but it is a bit of a weird transition because in one way, it, it feels very much like we're walking into something new. Uh, a, a sort of a space to reorient, reset ourselves a little bit, uh, think through things, look back and say, what, what went well? What didn't go well? What do I want to do differently? Uh, what are my goals for this next year? Where, where did I perhaps fall short last year? Or, or where, did, where did I get it right last year? And, and I want to maintain that this year. It's sort of this time to, to rethink and reset. Uh, and oddly enough, between the Friday before January 1st and the Monday after January 1st, uh, it doesn't seem like our lives actually do much resetting. Wouldn't it be nice if at the beginning of each year, everything your life was like just immediately stops? No, no more workplace, no more family, kids, spouse, friend, roommate, driving stuff, schedule, crazy, finances, bills, thing. it just all resets. And you're like, you get to start from scratch. What would you like to do? <laughs> Except it doesn't happen. You, you have all these resets and these things, but, but you still wake up uh, the 2nd of January with all the same stuff. In fact, school starts uh, like on the 3rd or 4th. And so it's just like New Year's resolutions, two days later, school, go. Oh, and there's three soccer games, 12 soccer practices, 14. There's a friend that wants that. You're behind. You haven't called that other friend down, and so on and so forth. And so our, our year begins with a, a lot of just... Um, uh, things going on, stirring, happening. And, and we are trying within that to kind of reset. And then comes the spiritual life, right? Because you're like, oh, that, that one too. I, mean, I, I would suspect most of you in this room, uh, you desire, you want, uh, you are committed to in some way, wanting to see your, your spiritual journey improve, uh, to be better, to, to get better, a, a better devotional life, perhaps a, a better prayer life, a more diligent reading of the scripture and studying of the scripture, uh, a, 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 a deeper sense of, of committing to time with God. I mean, I, I think most of us here would say, I want that. And, and most of us start every year saying, all right, this year is going to be the year through the Bible in one year. The last seven years was complicated, right? And so, and so we roll in. And so when we enter this time of year, oftentimes we gather up here and our assessment, uh, our sort of setting trajectory for the spiritual journey forward uh, is one where maybe we sit together, if I'm asking you, and we ask questions like, you know, how, how is your spiritual life going? How, how is your devotional life doing? How is your scripture reading doing? Um, how, that, that friend you meant to share the gospel with, did you get it done this year? Okay, there's always next year. You know, how's the, the workless? How's the witnessing going? And so I, I think oftentimes, for me at least, the journey of following Jesus, what we might uh, sort of call the spiritual journey, 
feels like one that is something additional that is added to my already busy and complicated life, but one that is more important than all the other things, yet they seem quite urgent and demanding because when I don't do them, stuff goes wrong immediately. And so there is this constant wrestle with the spiritual life of how do I ultimately step into a rhythm, a way, a spiritual life, the disciplines, so that my spiritual life can be what I want it to be. If Jesus showed up and said, how's it going? I think our answer is always, could be better. Could be better. How about this year? I'm really hopeful. What are you going to do about it? Uh, there's some stuff. I've got plans. I bought a devotional for Christmas. I've got a new study Bible. That's the Bible through this version. I've I've got a plan. And so it goes. I, I would be curious if Jesus actually did show up here and sat with us as a collective or with any one of us, I would be curious what he, what he would say about this coming year and the spiritual journey. I wonder if he would sit down and say, okay, let's, let's track through last year. Let's look at what's going on. How's this going? How's that going? Have you thought about this? Do you have a plan for that? Are you going to get through the Bible? Are you going to witness to someone this year? Are you gonna, is that what he might do? Or might he do something different? And, and so um, as you go back into the time where Jesus was actually on the planet, it's interesting because there is a f- fascinating encounter with Jesus early on in the Gospels that I think speaks to this beautiful invitation on Jesus's part for us this year that does not include perhaps uh, this weightiness of more things we ought to think about doing or to do the things we know we should do better. See, during the time of Jesus, uh, if you were uh, a person living there uh, in the Jewish world, Uh, It was very much like our lives, actually. Lots of expectation, lots of weightiness, lots of busyness. I think we have this romantic idea that back in the 1800s, it was chill. uh, Or back in Jewish times, it was chill. They had all the time in the world. No, they didn't. Uh, They were very busy doing lots of things and lots of expectations. And every mom and dad wanted the same things for their kids. Higher education, except there it was just the rabbinical world. They wanted each of their children to go through Jewish school, become a disciple of a rabbi, ideally a great rabbi, and then become a rabbi and woo, mama's proud. And so if if you couldn't cut it, in school uh, at the top of the class, then you couldn't be a disciple or you'd become a disciple of like one of the rabbis that's like third rate, you know? And uh, you, your mom wouldn't necessarily say, my son's a disciple or my daughter's a disciple of, of such and such. They're a disciple. You wouldn't mention the name, third rate. But if you were the disciple of like Gamaliel, they're like, oh, my, my son became a disciple of Gamaliel. Ooh. It was the same thing as we deal with. Lots of expectations. And then in the discipleship world, the following a rabbi world, uh, there were lots of expectations from each rabbi of what it would mean if you could get to follow. And then once you followed the expectations of what it would be. So following a rabbi, being a disciple of a rabbi was a heavy uh, and burdensome thing of lots of expectations. Here are all the things your rabbi expects of you. When you get them wrong, please work on that. And then Jesus enters into that space And he's sitting in in Matthew chapter 11, it's recorded. He's sitting with a bunch of his followers, a bunch of people that have kind of gathered his immediate, what we might call disciples, the ones he said, come and actually be my disciples. But Jesus had more than 12 disciples. He had a bunch of people that uh, throughout their encounters with him began to say, I want to hang with this guy. 
and he's sitting with them and, and he says this in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Hey, those of you that are weary, tired, and, and, and feel burdened, like, just like heavy on your shoulders because uh, you are trying to figure out how to do this life and how to be the Jewish person you're supposed to be and be spiritual and find a good rabbi and do it all and fulfill the rabbi's needs. And now I'm a new rabbi. And I've got a new list for you to do. Those of you that feel that way, here's what, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. And here's what's going to happen. When you follow me, you will find rest for your soul. Like your soul, your, your like, like that part of you that's you, it will, as you follow me more, it will feel more and more like at peace. Like just not the kind of rest like you get from a nap, though it might include lots of naps. It's just that you will, like the, the longer you spend with me, the more you'll just be like, oh, this feels so good. And in fact, Jesus said, I want you to take on my yoke. And, and the language there is the, that uh, he's basically saying, as your rabbi and you are my disciple, my follower, I want you to learn my ways and my life and my truth and take it on. And as you do, he says this, as you take on my expectations of you, my yoke, my, my truth, my life, my way, you will find more and more rest for your soul. He says it again. You'll find more and more rest for yourself because Following me, Jesus said, my way, my yoke is easy and the burden of my life and yoke is light. It's beautiful, isn't it? We all kind of know the verse. We're like, oh, yeah. Except that is that how it actually feels? Oh, interesting question, isn't it? Is that what it feels like to follow Jesus now? Like, Woo, it's just light and easy and amazing and, and it doesn't feel hard at all. And at the beginning of every new year when someone says, how's it going? I'm like, great. I love hanging out with Jesus. How's your spiritual life? Fantastic. How all the things you do? Oh man, just being with Jesus is awesome all the time. It's just light and easy and wonderful. No, it's like a, a new set of things to do. And, and so if Jesus said this, this is the invitation into this life, what does that mean? So, so the question became for me, what did it mean for the people that Jesus actually said that to while he was on the planet? So he says, come follow me and, and we'll see this play out. Your, your life will play out this way. So a bunch of people decided to follow Jesus. They took him up on this. So if you read through the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that is where the life of Jesus is recorded, the events, the realities, the things he taught while he was on the planet, the stuff he did. So if you ever want to know what did Jesus do while he was on the planet, and if you were a follower of Jesus and you stayed with him all the time, what would you be doing, right? Isn't that the question? If you are a disciple of the rabbi Jesus and you were in his dust, if you will, that's the statement they used in the rabbinical times, stay in the dust of your rabbi. It means as they walked and they kicked up some dust of their sandals, the dust would settle on you because you were that close to them all the time. So you walked in the what of your rabbi? The dust of your rabbi. Stay real close, right? If you stayed real close to Jesus and you just woke up every morning, went where he went, did what he did, watched him, stayed with him, what would you ultimately find yourself doing? Here's a rabbi saying, follow me. My way is going to be an adventure, light and easy. So you follow it through the Gospels. And, and here's what you discover. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
and you watch the unfolding story of Jesus, Jesus lives a life similar to our life in the sense that he's actually up to lots of things. You know, he goes from town to town. He visits places. He's got agendas that he does. Like if you, it's not like Jesus was a monk, like up on a mountain. Following Jesus was easy because they all sat up on a mountain for four entire books and just, you know, sang songs. No, Jesus is doing lots and lots of things. But in the doing of those lots and lots of things, you actually only find him doing very few things while he's doing all those things. If you were with Jesus for any period of time while he was on the planet, here's what you would discover. Read the Gospels. One, you would discover that wherever he went, whatever he was doing, whatever ordinary things he was doing, he was constantly proclaiming a new kingdom, a new way, a a, a place and, and a reality that was life and freedom and rescue and, 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 and wonder, he would come and he'd say, oh, my kingdom where I'm from, it's coming here now. And when it comes, it's going to bring some awesome stuff for you. This is what Jesus was constantly doing. He was proclaiming his kingdom, his way, uh, this, this wondrous way. Sometimes he proclaimed it in big crowds. You know, he'd go sit on the side of a mountain, like we call it the Sermon on the Mount, and he would directly actually speak to the kingdom of God. He would say, this is what my kingdom is like. This is what my kingdom is like. And people would walk away from that going, who is this teacher that he proclaims such wondrous things, speaks with such authority? Other times, he would proclaim the kingdom in small crowds. He'd have just a few people around him, maybe the 12 disciples or another small crowd or a few ladies, and he'd be talking with them and he'd be saying, let me help you understand how the kingdom of God works. Sometimes he was proclaiming it to one person in a single conversation. But wherever you went with Jesus, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was constantly in the ordinary ongoings of his life. He was constantly bent on just kind of proclaiming and teaching about the kingdom. And then he would also, while teaching and proclaiming the kingdom, what I mean by proclaiming is he would actually talk about it, teach about it, uh, tell people what it was, tell, tell people who he was, tell people what was going on. He would also demonstrate that kingdom. He would demonstrate it in a multitude of ways, sometimes in supernatural ways, taking the natural world and defying it. Someone was sick, he would make them well. Someone was blind, he would make them see. Someone was lame, he would make them walk. Someone had some kind of thing that in the natural world couldn't just go away and he would make it go away. And he would say, the power of my kingdom and the beauty of my kingdom and the freedom of my kingdom, let me show you what it looks like. Sometimes he demonstrated his kingdom through natural ways. Uh, an intimate conversation of gentle wonder where he would say to somebody, all the burden on your shoulders that is sin, it is forgiven. It's taken care of. Uh, A woman caught in adultery, uh, a guy, uh, uh, paraplegic, who had been told his whole life, you're this way because of your sin. Uh, I'm sure because then Jesus is like, your sins are taken care of, buddy. Uh, All these different, and there's a multitude of those where Jesus is with a grieving widow or uh, with, and he just, he does, he says something, he, he engages something, he smiles, he hugs it, and you're just like, oh, and he's just demonstrating the values and the realities of his kingdom. If you were with Jesus and a follower of Jesus, that's what you would find him doing as he goes about his ordinary stuff throughout the day. 
Then the second thing you would encounter if you were following Jesus, read the gospels, is this. As he's going about his ordinary day, doing what? Proclaiming. It's not a trick question. So you guys are welcome. Like proclaiming and demonstrating his kingdom and his way, right? That's what he's up to in his ordinary day. He would often sort of break from the ordinary day, sometimes for a moment, sometimes for like 30 or 40 minutes, sometimes for like half a day. And he would say to the people around him, his followers, whether it be the 12 or three or a bigger crowd, he'd say, let's stop here for a second. Come over here. Get off the road for a second. Hey, do you see this field? Let me tell you a little bit about the the kingdom of God or about me or about this field or about this tree or about this butterfly or about, and he would teach. He would teach about the kingdom of God. He would teach about who he was. He would teach about his ways. This isn't just proclaiming. It's now, come here. Let me tell you a little something. Sometimes it wouldn't just be a stop by the roadside because he's passing a field or there's an olive tree or there's a, Sometimes he would actually like intentionally take the disciples and say, we're going we're to go sit now and we're going to learn together. Some of them are recorded in scripture. So for example, where he's in Caesarea Philippi and he takes them up onto the mountain uh, in Caesarea Philippi and he sits by that cave and he gathers them around and he's like, okay, who do people say I am? And this whole unfolding story happens of, and then who do you say I am? And he teaches. So if you were with Jesus in regularity, as he would go about the ordinary things of his day, what would he be doing? Proclaiming and demonstrating his kingdom, the gospel. And he would break from the ordinary parts of his day, sometimes for a second, sometimes for a period of time, to sit down and teach. I call that the fireplace in my mind, the fireplace. It's not always the fireplace. Sometimes it's the side of a road. Sometimes it's a rock. Sometimes it's a mountain. Sometimes it's the fireplace. But it is that calling out from the regularity of the day to say, I got something I want to teach you. Now, when he taught, listen now, listen carefully, because we're talking about what it would have been like to follow Jesus back then. When he taught, it wasn't always whimsical and wonderful. You didn't always leave Jesus' teaching going, he has cleared everything up. It is wonderful. Or that was just delightful what I heard. He's such a fun person to be around. If you read the gospel, sometimes the disciples walked away from his teaching going, do you have any idea what he meant? I have no clue, man. That was so confusing. Sometimes they would walk away going, that was amazing. So clear. Sometimes they would walk away and say, that was wonderful. And sometimes they would walk away and say, can he even say that? That's terrible. I mean, I don't even know if I can follow him anymore. Wow. I mean, there's actually recorded spaces where Jesus teaches and then the people around say, that's it, I'm out. I mean, how dare he say such terrible things? How dare it be true? kind of feels like when we read the Bible, doesn't it? Sometimes it's clear as day, answers all your questions, and sometimes it's just super confusing. And you're like, what on earth does this mean? And sometimes you're like, that's, that's beautiful. And sometimes you're like, that's why I'm not following this God. Unbelievable. How dare they say stuff? We think those are problems when we're reading scripture, but that's exactly what it was like to be a disciple of Jesus. When you sat with him and he taught, it was... It was a mixed bag in terms of your experience. 
because he always taught the truth and he always taught it beautifully. But truth that he teaches is sometimes so beyond us that it takes us a while to catch up. But that's what it would have been like. I, I've, I was talking to a friend a little earlier and uh, she said that often uh, when she's going about her day uh, and something is occurring and she's trying to figure out how to navigate it, the spirit of God will whisper to her and say, run to the bathroom, run, run to the bathroom, we got to talk. And then she'd be like, oh, I got to go to the restroom. And then into the restroom, she's like, okay, what is it? And then the spirit of God will bring a verse to mind or something or show her what she needs. And then she'd be like, oh, thank you. And then she'd run back out of the bathroom like, thank you. I just needed to go to the restroom. And then she's back in the day and she's doing her thing. That's what I call the fireplace. We'll call it the bathroom, right? It is sometimes the moment or sometimes the, the minutes or the hours where you are invited off the road of the ordinary in your day to come and sit under the tutelage of Jesus and see what he's going to show you. Maybe it'll be wonderful, maybe a bit terrible, maybe mysterious and confusing, maybe clear and awesome, but he is teaching. And over time, he brought clarity to the disciples and showed them the wonder. That's what you'd be doing with Jesus. And then the final piece, read the whole gospels. This, this is it, right? The final piece. If you were with Jesus, he'd be proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel on his ordinary day, He'd be calling you out of his ordinary day just briefly or sometimes for periods of time to come and sit with him and learn from him through discussion, wondering, questions and things. And then sometimes, quite often actually, in the middle of stuff, sometimes in the middle of nothing, sometimes in the middle of everything, you would go, hey, where's Jesus? And then John would go, have you seen Jesus, Peter? I haven't seen him, man. Uh, have you, uh, John, uh, uh, Luke, have you seen No, Luke wouldn't have been there. Sorry. Matthew, have you, have you seen him? I don't know where he went. And then when Jesus would return, they'd go, where, where were you? And then he would say, I was, I was alone. I went to be away. Why? We, we know they must have asked because they recorded in scripture multiple times. Why? I just needed some time alone with my dad to dialogue and think through things and just be with him. Have him tell me that I'm okay and me ask him how he's doing. Not to learn, not to grow, not to, not to be under tutelage, just to be with, just to be with. Uh, and, and Jesus did it sometimes when, when nothing was going on. There's recorded spaces in scripture where, you know, for example, um, when he found out that his friend uh, and, and cousin John had died, it says he went away to be alone with the Father, or right before he chose the disciples. So nothing's going on. We don't even know who Jesus is yet. I mean, we do, because we can read about it, but they didn't. And, and it says he just went away to be with the Father, and then he chose his disciples. So sometimes it was, there was nothing going on, and he just went to be alone, to spend time with his dad. And then sometimes, like in Luke chapter uh, 15, it's recorded. And listen to what it says here. I'm going to read it out, out of here, just because um, it's quick and fast, and then I'll, I'll read the other. So listen, listen to this. Uh, there it is. Okay. <clears throat> It says this in, in Luke, um, in, uh, there it is, sorry about that, um, Luke uh, chapter 5 in, in verse 15. So in Luke chapter 5, he just healed a leper, and it says this, but now even more, the report about him went abroad, abroad, like everywhere, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. Do you see that Luke uses the word but there? Like almost like even Luke's confused. 
I mean, great crowds would gather. They heard about him. It is momentum and growth like you've never seen. It's incredible. They need Jesus and he has the power and he has the wisdom to teach. And then we would go, anybody seen Jesus? I mean, the crowds are everywhere. I don't know where he went, man. And then when Jesus would return a couple hours later, they'd be like, where were you? Can't you see this? And he'd be like, I, I, I was away spending time with dad. The only other thing I can figure out that Jesus did <laughs> is eating and sleeping. So he did eat, FYI, and he did sleep. So Americans, what do you actually need to be doing? You should eat and you should sleep in regularity. Our rabbi did. But besides eating and sleeping, he was either proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel in the ordinary walkings of his day, or he was calling his followers out briefly or in re- and in regularity to just sit with them and teach. And that's just the ones recorded. You know how often at night, I'm sure they sat around, around little tents, you know, and, and, and they were just talking. Do you, think, do you think during those times at night when the, the day was done and they were sitting around that Jesus was like, nobody speak. I'm not going to speak. None of you speak. No, I'm not teaching because we've already got so much we have to record. And if we record any more, they'll never read it because it's already too big for them. So do you think that they just sat around every night and they were like in silence and the only time Jesus ever taught was what's recorded here? Do you think that's how it went down? Well, we know it didn't go down that way because John actually bothered to say, if I bothered to record everything Jesus said to us, it would, it would be a thousand volumes of this. So what does that mean happened regularly at the fireplace? Jesus was teaching them. So I wonder what it would have felt like to be a follower of Jesus, where Jesus said, come and follow me and this will be light and and burdenless comparatively to following other rabbis. Because when you come with me, here's what we're going to do. We're going to roll through our day, village to village, do our thing. And wherever we bump into humans, we're going to proclaim or we're going to demonstrate the gospel. And then at the end of the day or during the day, every now and then we're going to stop and say, come here for a second. Come stand by this roadside, by this rock, by this field. Let me teach you a couple things. And we're going to go, oh, he's going to teach. Come on, quick. And sometimes, actually, we're going to go sit for minutes or hours. And I'm just going to ask questions and teach. And you're going to wonder about it. We're going to talk. And you're going to learn stuff. And then... um, in some regularity, we're just going to go be alone. Not to learn, not to grow, not to teach, not just to be together. We're going to do things like this. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well today. Thanks. What's going on in your day today? Oh, not a, not a lot. You, you seem tired. What's up? Oh, no, I'm fine. Yeah, you don't seem fine. Okay, I'm not fine. I'm a little worried about this, a little worried about that, concerned about that. I'm a little mad about that, actually. I'm, I'm a little down on myself because I, I was supposed to be patient and then I wasn't, you know. That, that's what it means to be alone with God, a, a quiet space in which we can just walk and just let him, let him be for us whatever we need and let, we can ask him questions. It's being alone. What if following Jesus was like that? What if following Jesus was waking up in the morning and knowing today I'm going to go down and do ordinary things, maybe extraordinary for some of you, like, oh, my life's extraordinary. Wonderful. I'm so thrilled for you. But 
just the, the regular stuff, you know, the regular stuff. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carpool, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook, and I, I'm going to work, and I'm going to do contracts, and I'm going to all this. But if I, if I realize, wait a second, wait a second, I don't have to abandon all of that doing in order to go be with Jesus or do what you... As I'm doing that, he's actually doing that, and I get to do it with him. And, and what if following him was, not only do I get to do that with him as the day unfolds, but, but also he's going to teach me regularly by calling me out to the bathroom in some regularity, the fireplace, right? And, and I just, I just kind of go through my day waiting. I wonder what he's going to say. I wonder what he's going to show me. And then there'll be times during the day, maybe several times a week, maybe several times a day. I don't know. It'd be different for us where he might even say, come sit with me for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Just open, open up and read my words. Let's see what I have to say to you. And we're like, yeah. And then there's going to be times where I get to just sit with him, walk with him, just listen, talk, cry, scream, whatever I need to do. Just be with him. What if, what if that was following Jesus? It's funny. In John chapter 15, well, John chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to have to leave. Okay? Because follow me now. It's going to get tricky for a second, then it won't. Okay? Watch. Jesus in John 14 tells the disciples, I'm going to go somewhere else that you can't come. And Peter actually says in John 14, what? I'm going with you. And Jesus is like, it's cute, but you're not. And then uh, after John 14, where he said he's leaving, but don't worry because I'm coming back to get you. The clear and obvious question is, while you are gone from the time you leave to the time you get back and come back for us, what should we do? Right? So John 15 just because it's a new chapter, it's the same conversation. We put chapters to it, but it's an unfolding conversation around a, a meal. And, and so the disciples are like, well, what do we do while you're gone? And Jesus says, well, stay real close to me. Abide in me. John chapter 15, abide in me. Stay close to me. Except that he just said he's doing what? Going. So some of you are like, oh yeah, I need to abide with Jesus. But it doesn't make any sense, does it? I'm going to leave, and I'm going to be gone, and I'm going to come back later. What should we do while you're gone? Stay with me. <laughs> yeah, that sounds confusing. And then, and then Jesus does something extraordinary. He says to them, uh, it's recorded in John. Oh, John is back here. John chapter 15 and 16. Listen to this. And this begins to give us what we need to know as we enter into the 2023 year and say, I want to follow Jesus, what does it mean? John 15, stay close to me. Question, how when you're gone? Answer. John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus says, listen, I am going to leave, but I'm going to send my personhood, my spirit to come and be with you. And what is my spirit going to do all day long in the ordinary day? Be my witness. It just said it right there. I know you guys missed it, but it said, hey, I'm going to send him and he's going to be my witness. And what are you going to do with him while he goes about being a witness? Sometimes I have to read something twice for myself too. Don't feel bad. Okay. 
Pay attention now this time. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. What will he do? Bear witness. What will you do with him? Bear witness. What did Jesus do when you followed him? Proclaimed the gospel and demonstrated it, bearing witness. And what did the disciples do with Jesus? Followed him around and bore witness. Bear witness would be present tense. They bore it because it's in the past. Okay. They, they bore witness, right? And then he says this. Look at this. In John chapter 17, conversation, I mean, John chapter 16, conversation continues. And then he says this. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Basically, it's just too much. I, I can't possibly teach you everything that you could know and learn. It would be too much. And he says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak, uh, if, for he will not speak, uh, sorry, my bad, I'm reading so fast. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what is the spirit of God, his personhood, going to do while he's on this planet? He's going to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. And who's going to do that with him? We are. And then what else is he going to do? I just read it. He's going to teach us. He's going to teach us. And he's going to teach us by being with us and taking his words and bringing them to us. And what did Jesus say we should do between when he leaves and he comes back? Be with him. Stay close. So what do we have? What was it like to follow Jesus when you were on this planet and he was on this planet? It was like this. Proclaim and demonstrate the gospel with who? With him. Who's doing the proclaiming and demonstrating? He is and who else is? We are, and who are we doing it for? Not him. It was a trick question. Who are we doing it with? With him. He's going to teach us awesome things we do not yet know, calling us out here and there, and we need to stay real close to him. And if that's what following Jesus is like, then suddenly it's not a set of expectations, a set of devotions, a set of studies, finish the Bible in one year, get this done, do that, get your prayer life in order, figure that out, make that happen, do this, witness to a friend, get out there. It's this. You wake up in the morning and you know, because of what you know and what God has revealed to you, that the spirit of God is with you, residing in you and in us collectively. So how close is he with us now? Very, instead of us going where he goes, he goes everywhere we go. Isn't that awesome? But he's not going everywhere we go just because it's fun. He's going everywhere we go. And what does he do wherever he goes? Proclaims the kingdom of God. So what if we grab his hand in the morning in our, in our, in, in our hearts and minds and say, Spirit of God, I'm going to go about an ordinary day today. It's a busy day. There's a lot going on. I'm sure you are going to be proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel today. It would be so fun to help. So if there's any way I can help, just let me know. And if you want to proclaim it or demonstrate it through me, feel free. I'm right here. So then I go to my workplace and I'm like, oh, is he going to do it here? I don't know. It might happen. It's going to be crazy. He might bring things to mind that I need to share with a friend that proclaims the kingdom. He might give me patience when I'm impatient and I d demonstrate fruit of the spirit. He might give me self-control when I'm out of control and demonstrate the spirit. There's so many things he might do. And I've got his hand and he, I'm going to get to help. 
And then all day long, I'm like, when's he going to call me to the bathroom? Or in the evenings, when's he going to call me to the fireplace where I can sit under his tutelage, read his words and let the spirit speak through his words and show me things. Oh, what's he going to say? Is it going to be whimsical and wonderful? Is it going to be light and beautiful? Is it going to be confusing and difficult? Is it going to be infuriating and horrible? I don't know, but it's going to be awesome because that's what it was like being with Jesus. It's a whole mixed bag because it's progressive as he's showing us the whole truth. And then let's say I go with the spirit of God today and he doesn't need any help. He's, he's got it covered today. He doesn't use me in any particular way. Now, he's always using us in profound ways. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I get to the end of the day. I'm like, what did, I, what did I actually do for you? And he's like, nothing. What did I get to do all day? Be with him. And, and what if being with him is enough? What if being with him is what this is all about? Maybe he'll need my help and I'll help. Maybe he'll teach me something and that'll be wonderful. But if those two things don't even happen today, guess what? Guess what will happen if I have the awareness to grab his hand and say, this isn't about the crazy life I live anymore. It's about me being an ambassador for Jesus in this crazy life I live. And you are the witness. I'm the helper. Do you see how suddenly the burden goes away? You're not the witness and he's the helper. He's the witness and you're the helper. And he may not need you today. He may need you today, but it's okay because who are you with? Him. And if you come and go to bed every night and say, wow, today was a crazy day. I got to be with you and you were with me. And that thing you taught me in the bathroom, that was, that was good. And that time we had tonight around the fireplace reading your word, that was confusing. I'm looking forward to the time where you make that clear because it's not clear tonight. <laughs> but just being with you was awesome. And then maybe you sit on a couch quietly or you take a break somewhere or you take a walk and you just say, hey, God, how are you? And you wait for him to whisper back, fine, how are you? And you're like, ah, I'm okay. And then he goes, ah, it doesn't seem that way. And then you go, okay, I'm not that okay. And then you talk. And then you wait for him to be enough. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like our Christian life that much. But what if it did? So 2023, this is Vision Sunday. You know, like, we got a vision. What are we going to do? Here's our big vision, 2023, Mosaic Church. Here it is. We're going we're gonna to figure out together, best we can, what it means to follow Jesus in simplicity and wonder, just waking up every morning and saying, Spirit of God, you're going you're gonna to do some stuff. How can I help? Show me some cool stuff as we go. And uh, I'd love to be alone with you. And we're going to get practical about that because he's given us practical things. He's given us his word and said, whenever you're reading this, guess what is profoundly happening? You're at the fireplace and I'm going to show you things. And, and we get to proclaim the gospel. So we need to be tooled up to be able to know when the spirit of God is going to lead us and how to articulate things. So we're going to do that. We need to be able to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And, 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 and we need to learn what it means to be alone and how to do that because that's hard for us just to be alone with God. So this year, we as a church together, we're going to learn the disciplines of the faith that give us the space to be alone with God for no reason other than the disciplines of the faith. There it was. I knew there was a task. No, the disciplines of the faith are the works of intimacy, the way to be alone with God. We're going to teach you that. We're going to teach each other that. We're going to learn this thing as we've always done, but with a new curiosity of like the fireplace awaits. 
And we're going to grab the hand of the Spirit of God, our rabbi, and say, today I know you're at work witnessing. How can I help? And we're going to get ourselves equipped to do that well. Not because we have to. Because following Jesus is light and easy. But because we get to. And we're going to try to figure out together. I wonder what it would be like to get to the end of this year when someone says, how's your spiritual life? We say, that's good. It's good. Oh, did you read the whole Bible? Nah, I got lost in January. <laughs> Stopped in Exodus. Well, that doesn't sound so good. Yeah, it wasn't great, but I have him. And he pulled me into the bathroom multiple times a day. And I got to be at the fireplace multiple mornings and evenings. And it was beautiful. And I got to go with him and be a witness. And that was enough. And most importantly, we took lots of walks, me and God, some of them I was doing really well and some of them I was doing really poorly. And we got to chat about that. And then they could say, what's it like following Jesus? And we can say, well, huh, gives you rest for your soul. It's light and it's easy. And eventually it becomes all you do because it's awesome. God, take us there. Amen. Take us there. Let's pray. God, help us. Help us, uh, little humans here. <laughs> to um, not overcomplicate all of this, not to do what they did during the Jewish times when you showed up on this planet, making the rabbinical journey a complicated uh, set of rules and regulations and expectations and things to do. And instead, God, you just whispered then and whisper now, come follow me. We're going to wake up every morning. We're going to head into the world. I'm going to show the world what my kingdom is like. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it with me. And while we go, I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you some stuff and it's going to be awesome and sometimes not. But eventually, always just a wondrous awakening. But most importantly, just stay close to me. God, may that be our story this year. Learning ways to stay close to you, to learn from you with excitement and curiosity and to be witnesses along with you removing the burdens of expectation you have of us to go and do it for you and just to live in the thrill of doing it with you. Show us the way. We want to live in it. We want rest for our souls. We want light. We want easy, just to be honest. And you've said you, you are the person to follow to find those things. So here we are. Here we are. We're ready. A little scared, a little confused but ready. Show us the way we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.